Howdy, friends. Listen, before we jump in, check this out. We've got some exciting news. As you know, Peter and I work for Bottle Rocket, and we would love for you to join our team. Listen, we're a work-from-wherever company, and we're self-managed vacation. Not to mention, you get to work with great people. Say, for example, Peter and I. Sounds great, right? So if you are ready to do the best work of your life and join an extraordinary team, hit the link in the show notes to see our current open positions and apply today. Ladies and gentlemen, Five, prepare four, for liftoff. Our guest today is an award-winning design director and strategist with more than 20 years of experience in leading teams and shipping products. During his two decades with Microsoft, he led design efforts for Xbox, Windows Media Center, Azune, and Encarta, and was the design force behind Microsoft's Metro Design Language. Now, before joining forces with Blink as their chief creative officer, he founded Tectonic, where he worked with some of the world's leading companies such as HBO, Amazon, Beats by Dre, Cisco, Samsung, NBC, among others. So, it goes without saying that it is our honor to introduce to you Mr. Bill Flora. Bill, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. Wow. Uh, thank you. I, I love that introduction. Um, uh, I'm super happy to be here. So, Bill, did we hear you right? Did I hear Zoom Media Player from Microsoft? It, it, was that right? Is that that box that I used to have when I was 17 years old? That, that, that's right. Zoom. It was also featured in the Guardians of the Galaxy 2. If you remember that oh. uh, scene at the very end, he'd lost his Walkman and he was presented with zoom so that's great i love that uh, you know it makes me think back to that time there you remember those little cubes that you used to put yes, like 200 around, songs on and it was around your neck yeah we're like it's some kind of little that wasn't that long ago was it not too long ago yeah i loved working on on zoom you know as far as the business is concerned it was a little too little a little too late but it was a, a fabulous uh product design to work on. You know, Bill, one of the things we really want to talk to you about today is a little bit of your perspective on how the world is changing. You know, we so often talk about how digital is driving change, but what is actually happening behind the scenes? How is the role of creativity changing in a world that is ever increasingly digital? It's a big first question I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm, we're just going to jump, uh, jump right in. Well, I guess I have the benefit of uh, having, uh, you know, 20, 30 years of perspective on this. When, when I came out of design school, I started at Microsoft. And, you know, my, my first uh, problem to solve was the um, uh, indent toolbar button. So uh, I am happy to say I um, have designed the indent toolbar button that you can see on applications uh, uh, around the world. So design and creative was really brought in at the end of the process, just to make things look nice. Uh, We've got all the thinking done and uh, now we just, so that was the context from which I entered. And I've been able to see it evolve dramatically from that perspective to uh, using the design process and design thinking and design led thinking uh, to really help 
organizations and, and products arrive at like, what are those top priorities? What, um, what are the things that are really gonna move the needle? So from that perspective, it's been really exciting to see, uh, to see the change. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a one thing, but if you could point to, you know, here we are, we used to be sort of the hired hand, right? The make this pretty, like you said. But now design is, is much more integrated into the entire process and into the business itself. It didn't happen overnight and it still is part of an evolution of business strategy, of design thinking, et cetera. So how did that start to converge? Because it wasn't designers beating it into the business leaders' heads. You know, how did that happen? How is it happening? Well, Please well, don't say Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't. He's from Microsoft. Uh, no, the, the, the idea of a single, you know, brilliant creative is definitely the outlier, uh, not how we do it today. I, I think it, it's our process. And in my time at Microsoft, uh, that's the fight that I was fighting, trying to fight that good fight of getting out in front of the organization. So many design divisions within organizations tend to still be behind the ball and still trying to play catch up. So, uh, you know, I've employed a lot of techniques to try and get design ahead. One is just finding those champion uh, executive leaders that really uh, get it and um, working in their types of departments has really helped their like being heat shields and clearing out the way for design to get a little bit ahead. When, when design isn't all about, um, you know, at least in the software world, trying to play catch up so the dev team isn't idle and just uh, scrambling and reactive, when, when we have a chance to get out in front, well, um, that's when I've been able to make the biggest impact in the organizations. Uh, yes, the the day to day got to ship it and get it out the door. But you know, I think design is one of the, the if not the primary discipline that can help organizations see the the vision and see the future. We've got tools and processes that allow us to uh, bring stakeholders together, get people aligned, get organizations inspired. So that type of work I call envisioning. And uh, I would say the most mature organizations employ that, some to a great degree, but most uh, most do not. And uh, so my advice to organizations out there is to bring together the marketing side, the development side, uh, the technology side, really use this, this process to uh, bring people together. And, and when I and one of the primary ways to do that is to really be grounded in the in the customer and in, in the user, really know what moves them, what makes them tick. And I think design and research is really well armed to bring some of those insights uh, <clears throat> to the fore. I think that you're you're exactly right about that. And at least one of the things in my career that I've noticed in helping mentor younger designers is that you can't go in with a preconceived idea that the business leads and the leadership team of the business is going to understand your perspective. 
is going to understand your design language, is going to understand the importance of design thinking. And so this idea of seeking to understand before being understood, you know, speaking the business language as opposed to trying to beat them over the head with <laughs> design language or, or, or design nomenclature, I think is really powerful. I totally agree. The, those are some of the big considerations. I, you know, we have to look at the customer and gain insights from the customer, look at usage data, uh, understand the, the business goals. And, you know, some of the techniques I like to employ when developing new product ideas, new services is really understanding the, the brand of uh, the organization and, and how can this brand help inform uh, what those signature experiences are that we really put the big effort into. In a way, it's uh, this brand filter is uh, a way to focus in on the types of features, if you will, that really move the needle and, and reinforce the brand at the same time. So, you know, that's something business leaders can get behind and resonate with. And it's been a super powerful tool for, you know, all those different considerations, having that be a key consideration uh, as well really helps to, uh, helps to shape it. So Bill, one thing we see quite frequently is, you know, the market leaders establish what good looks like. And you kind of had talked about this as well. Some, some firms out there really embody some of these design characteristics, but the mid market and the mass market, those two lagging quartiles, Mm-hmm. they might not even see this as addressable. And just one small example is they might not see their, you know, they might say, oh, we're B2B, right? Our customers are entities, they're not users. And so how might we better start inserting design thinking into large industrial clients and railways and all of these types of industries that probably have 30 different employee touch points that could have much better experiences around and drive enterprise efficiency. But, you know, that concept of enterprise efficiency, it's sometimes a very difficult sell to invest in your employees so that they can do more. Right. Well, you know, my background has been more on the consumer side and consumer tends to to lead the way there. But I think what big enterprise tools are realizing is that their users are customers as well, and that they respond to the same kind of uh, aspects of emotion and ease of use that consumers do. I mean, uh, the bar is raising pretty quickly on these big industrial enterprise tools. Like some clients we've worked with, they don't, developers don't even want to work on, on the products because they just suck to develop on. So they wanted to raise the overall look and feel and ease of use just to, you know, bring in and attract development talent. So I see uh, they are laggards, but the bar is rising quickly. And um, I I think you can absolutely integrate high-end, more modern look and feels to those environments. It's going to result in, you know, more efficient workflow. uh, And it has all the same impact and implications, I think, as consumer does, but it's it's slower uh, to get there. And there are lots of other considerations when, within those big industrial tools. But from where I sit, I see that playing uh, uh, an ever larger role. 
I think that's a great point. And, you know, it just makes me think, I forget who said the quote, but they said, there is no B2B, there is no B2C, there's, it's just human to human. Yeah. And like even that. though there's a bit of kumbaya there, it's true, you know? And if we, if we start to think about these, these big industrial um, type companies, and we start talking about the people that use or that interact with or that are having experiences with the products that we need to build or the experiences that we need to craft, it's all about efficiency, right? It's all about removing friction. So whether it's, you know, I'm selling someone um, a, a Zune <laughs> or I'm creating efficiencies in a railway scheduling software, mm -hmm. they're still people, they're still human beings. Yeah. How I, I think about it is uh, when I approach software and services, you know, if it's a triangle, the very bottom of the triangle is it's got to be effective. You know, it's got to be really useful. Um, but, you know, we can do more than that. We can aim higher. Uh, another level above that would be can we create an emotional connection uh, with uh, customers and users, even people that are working on, you know, time to task software, we can use motion design, not just purely for delight, but to really aid in, in usability. And, you know, at the highest level of the triangle for me, it goes beyond just emotion and emotional connection, but it's what can we do in the experience that is really expressive that is expressive in a way that maybe differentiates that tool in the marketplace, that uh, expresses the, the brand values of, of the company. I think that uh, that's, that's what I strive to, to add to the mix besides just being effective and useful. On top of that, what do you do? And this is like, this is gonna be like a, gonna play a little game. What would you do? <laughs> If there's an executive says, look, there's nothing wrong. Look at the numbers. We're making money. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why am I going to invest $3 million when I'm making money? Yeah. I mean, you will hear that a lot. I mean, okay. Uh, here's some techniques I've used uh, there. Um, one is a lot of execs like that are driven by competition and what others are doing out there. I'd try and find best practices in the marketplace where others are really uh, maybe um, making a bigger impact and, and bigger difference there. I, I would um, create prototypes and uh, envisioning pieces that show where the software could go. Um, that's great for, that's one of the more powerful tools design has is to help that exact envision where it could be. Um, a lot of the execs are worried that, oh, we're you know, going to be um, leapfrog with some new uh, competitor and some new innovation. So making a case for investing in ideas little, that are a little further out to making sure we're embracing new technologies. And I think design's a good um, <clears throat> discipline to start to help them think forward a little bit. And then once I have some of these prototypes that uh, I, I think are more just as effective as the other one, but have more of a, 
uh, an emotional connection or maybe even are easier to use or employ some new technology, put that in front of users, validate it, get new data for them mm. to react to. So those are some, that's what I might do. Bill, I'd love to take this a little bit of a different direction, which is more to lean into the future. So we've seen huge changes in the way some of these teams operate, whether that's you know the advent and operationalization of product management in a more serious capacity across organizations. And I think many organizations are actually waking up to what it means to be a product-led organization. But specifically focusing on the creative roles within the technology ecosystem, mm-hmm. what does that future look like? And if I was new and I was just getting started, what advice would you give somebody about where to get started and how to find their space to be both creative and well-positioned for growth? I like that. Yeah, interesting. You know, my background came from graphic design uh, and uh, where it was a lot about really strong, effective visual communications from typography and color and all of those things. That was really a great place to start in this, you know, world of um, screen design, basically. But we're moving beyond screen design, and you know that'll always be there. But now getting into you know robotics and you know many other conceptual type of design endeavors i think um new creatives i would recommend thinking about industrial design three-dimensional design ar vr new technologies that kind of stretch the imagination we've seen so much in screen design really start to i I don't know become standardized and the role of innovation wasn't as great as it used to be what I've found in the creative field is the power of just strong communication creatives that can really get their idea across, that could really frame it up in a way that people understand. Um, a lot of the uh, ideas we create, if you can frame it in the right way, come in with strong uh, conviction and clear articulation, that that's one of the more powerful tools I've found to get your ideas through to people. It really goes back to the beginning here where I was mentioning the idea of being able to speak the language of the business leaders, where we have business leaders who speak one language and designers who speak a different language. And if you sharpen those skills in communication, in empathy, in facilitation, in understanding the business needs, and you still have as a foundation all those user needs, all of those personas, the journeys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then what we end up with, like what you're saying, is this great marriage where communication is everything. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I lead workshops with different types of disciplines, could be the senior VP of Uh, technology, senior VP of marketing, et cetera. Often in organizations, we find that they don't even talk a lot together, um, that they're not necessarily aligned. Getting them in a room and having design-led processes, which get them to hear each other, um, it's not then all about the loudest voice in the room, um, that people are in the position of having to consider, having to think about lots of considerations. And hearing each of those stakeholders talk about what their priorities are um, and them hearing each other, I I think puts 
more power in the hands of the synthesizers, the designers that need to bring all of this together and then also bring the perspective of, of the user into that. Like some exercises we've used in that way are we call continuums. Like, should it be more this or should it be more that? Um, put a little dot in between this, you know, where your perspective is. Then we can start to see if this group is aligned or if they're not aligned or if one person puts their dot way on the outside. Okay, great. Tell us about that. Why'd you do that? And what? Uh, give us a rationale behind uh, uh, that thinking. So anyway, I think design process can bring people uh, together that way. And designers, if they find themselves in that position, can really start to internalize some of the, the language and perspectives that those different disciplines bring. Like romance languages. Like Tony, I th as great as it would be to speak the same language, I just don't necessarily ever see that happening. But I feel like today the reality is like one group of people are speaking Chinese and the other group of people are, are speaking Swedish. <laughs> that language is Swedish language. I sure hope Swedish is a language. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure Swedish is a language. I'm, I'm almost 100%. I'm like embarrassed. I've been to Sweden. I don't even know. Well, the point being, maybe we can get it more like one person is speaking Italian and the other is speaking Spanish. There are root commonalities on a first principle uh, uh, level, but the language system is still different. We can understand each other 95% of the time. We really empathize on a deep level, like 10% of the time, but we can at least still have a dialogue without having to go through a translation layer. And I feel like so much of today is translation layer based. To totally. And, and, you know, you can set the playing field to, in a way, require these other different languages to speak the language of the user. What are those user needs? What are those pain points? In a way, uh, being forced to really wear the shoes of the user is kind of an equalizing force across all of these different perspectives. I think that's great. Also, what you said about getting in the room with these people that may not have all been in the room together for months, some of these big organizations. And every great designer, in my opinion, is equal parts therapist, analyst, and Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> and in those rooms is where you really can shine and start to forge those relationships that become partnerships and that totally. become really successful products. Yeah, to totally. You, you don't have to come in with a forceful point of view. You can be a really good listener and be a facilitator and just sit back and see how it evolves. You can kind of guide it a little bit, but I found that to be much more effective. And then, then those stakeholders feel like they've got some skin in the game. They've got some of their language that's reflected in you know what we articulate. So th those are great tools. And, and the reason for me, that kind of process evolved is, you know, whenever you start a design project, you all want to be articulating the problem the same way. You all, all want to start from the same point or it's really easy to, you know, have the goalposts move or to go off in another direction. But if everyone's kind of bought into that foundation, that's a great place from which design to start. What a wonderful bookend. Um, before we head into our final two sections, where do you want people to connect with you? Well, let's see. You know, uh, LinkedIn's probably the best place. I'd love it. Please connect with me, uh, Bill Flora. Uh, you'll find me on, on LinkedIn. Um, I um, am the chief creative officer at Blink, 
which is um, about a 150-person UX team across uh, Austin, Boston, San Francisco, San Diego, and Seattle. Come to BlinkUX.com, and, and you'll find me in there as well. So happy to chat. Excellent. So now we're going to hit you with a little segment called the lightning round. Lightning round is this. <laughs> There's three questions we ask, and you can only answer with one word, and then we don't touch it. We don't dive in. We don't do anything. We just let it sit, marinate, and people can think about it the rest of their lives. Are you prepared? I'm not quite prepared. Uh, so let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not prepared. Perfect. Okay. In one word, define design. You know, my first impulse was to say process, but that's boring. You know, what I got into design for is beauty. So I'm going to say beauty. Excellent. Peter, hit it. Bill, I, I guess that the next thing would be around define creativity. Mm. Well, that's creating something which doesn't exist. It's creating something new. It's putting new things together to arrive at something unexpected, an unexpected third thing. Wait a minute. Oh, I think that was more than one, one <laughs> word. I'm obviously not prepared for the lightning round. <laughs> that was more like a lightning storm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And finally, in order to succeed as a designer, you must, one word. Communicate. Got it. Boom. You heard it. You were going to say party, but you know. (laughs) That's after. (laughs) Bill Flora gets down. Okay. So (laughs) final question we ask every guest and it is what non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? You know, it might be a book, uh, Herbert Byers original Atlas. Uh, was the uh, inspiration behind a lot of uh, high-end encyclopedias and atlases. It's like the original high-end design work. And I've got an original copy, which is kind of rare. So I I love that one because it represents my career as well in terms of passionate around bringing content to life and in a beautiful way and impacting people through design. Love it. Well, Mr. Flora, we want to thank you for joining us on the show this has been a great episode of liftoff by bottle wow Rock. that was fun more more exciting than um i was imagining okay you guys <laughs> kept me on my toes and uh this was a lot of fun thank you 